Transforming Society podcast is brought to you by Bristol University Press and Policy Press. In episodes covering a wide range of social issues, we speak to authors and editors about their books and journals to get to grips with the story their research tells and look at the specific ways in which it could transform society for the better. It's good business to do good. From Jeff Bezos' Earth Fund to Nike's support of Colin Kaepernick and Gillette's The Best a Man Can Be campaign, customers and shareholders like companies to do good. Nowadays, it's seen as essential for business. But there's a much more dangerous side to what's often dismissed as simple virtue signalling. Woke Capitalism, How Corporate Morality is Sabotaging Democracy, is a new book by Carl Rhodes that forces us to seriously consider what the implications are of businesses being woke. He reveals that through woke capitalism, the people who benefit most from inequality are setting the agenda. This represents not only the perpetuation of the status quo, but the very real destruction of democracy. Welcome, Carl. Hi, Jess. Hello. Thank you for speaking to me today from Australia. Indeed. My pleasure to join you. Yeah, it's lovely to speak to you. And um, the book's amazing. I really enjoyed reading the book. So let's start by talking about what do we mean by woke capitalism? It'd be great if you could talk us through the concept and give a couple of examples from the book that particularly highlight the issue. Certainly. I mean, world capitalism really is referring to a situation that we're in now where it seems that increasing numbers of corporations, and particularly large multinational, often uh, US-based corporations, are aligning themselves with social movements of various kinds and kind of social political positions of various kinds, often involves widespread publicity and advertising around this, uh, public, uh, and it's publicly supporting these positions. But what's really interesting about it, the, tradi- the positions being supported are the ones that traditionally might have been associated with progressive or left politics, mm. things like Black Lives Matter, uh, Me Too, Um, LGBTIQ rights and so forth. Um, So it's very much corporations pursuing a progressive agenda. Uh, And sometimes uh, the term itself, woke capitalism, is usually used pejoratively, um, often associated with political correctness and virtue signaling uh, on the part of corporations. I mean, you mentioned, uh, as you introduced, Nike's uh, Colin Kaepernick, campaign which connected Nike to the Black Lives Matter movement. You mentioned Gillette. They had this campaign, The Best a Man Can Be, which was addressing toxic masculinity in the wake of the Me Too campaign. I mean, there's other examples. I mean, earlier this year, a Silicon Valley startup company called um, Better Up hired Prince Harry, of all people, as their chief impact officer. Um, designed to help them get get impact. This is a a career coaching company hiring someone whose uh, achievements are perhaps not originated as merit-based, but more by birthright um, involved in career coaching. So again, this is seen as as kind of work capitalism. And it's usually criticized um, uh, by kind of shouty conservatives and, you know, from the reactionary side of politics saying that this is an aberration of what business should be about. And, you know, some even going as far as saying there is some kind of socialist takeover uh, of business. I mean, there's no grounds to that, but that's the kind of rhetoric we hear from yeah. pundits of, of that type. 
Um, so you mentioned the term woke, and it's quite important to talk about that term, and you do so in the book, giving the historical context to explain how we mm. got to where we are today. So what are the origins of the word woke, and how has that changed? And also corporate social responsibility, um, and kind of how has that idea developed, this idea that business should have a role in making society better? Yeah, it's interesting because those are two ideas that have kind of come together. I mean, if we start with woke, um, it, the woke, the word was kind of has been around for a while, at least since the 1960s. And it was uh, a, a word that came from African-American culture, meaning an awareness, political awareness. So being woke means being awake to what's going on uh, yeah. around you, particularly issues of racism and, and discrimination in the United States. But also, you know, a general awareness of one's socio-political context and the bigger forces that, that are impacting and how you can respond to those um, in an appropriate and responsible way. Now, where it first gained widespread usage was around 2013, when the Black Lives Matter movement became uh, rose up. And in the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, which was very much linked to social media, the hashtag stay woke was something that was very prominent. So from the use of this hashtag stay woke, the term woke moved out of, you know, usage uh, within black American culture in the US and started to become more widely known. Mm. And as often happens with these kind of vernaculars, it was appropriated by the mainstream. And so a couple of years later, by 2015, 2016, woke was no it was the meaning was entirely perverted and reversed and it was used as a way of criticizing people usually white people who somehow bragged about the self-righteousness of their political uh, positions on various on various things often politically correct thing and so it started being used as a derogatory term um usually by 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 right-wing people to criticize also a rising tide of corporate political activism. So it went from criticizing people who uh, who were uh, taking these kind of positions to criticizing corporations. I mean, the term woke capitalism itself was first used in, used in 2018 in the New York Times. Okay. But to the other part of your question, I mean, the notion of social responsibility goes back to 1950s in, in debates again in, in US politics about questions of should businesses pursue just pursue profits, hoping that some notion of the invisible hand will distribute that to more broadly in society, or should they take on direct social responsibility? Um, uh, and, but at the same time, even back then, it was always somehow about, about preserving capitalism as an economic system, especially the idea that if corporations don't start taking responsibility, it'll be foisted on them by government regulation. So it's kind of getting ahead of the game of, of uh, heading off regulation. Now, so those debates uh, happened, but the mainstream corporate social responsibility really kind of took off from about the 1990s. Again, when we saw a lot of corporate scandals, um, and so it was about then, and a lot of excesses of corporate greed from the early decades of neoliberalism, and, you know, corporations started cleaning up their image, um, again, in a sense, to forestall uh, regulation. And so that kind of merged with the idea of work. But the difference between woke capitalism 
and you know that kind of corporate social responsibility or CSR is that woke capitalism isn't just about doing business responsibly, like about having gender equity in your workforce, about being sustainable, about not engaging in corruption and caring about the environment and so forth. With woke capitalism, corporations are weighing in on social issues that aren't necessarily directly related to their, their business activity. I mentioned some before, but things like marriage equality, racism, toxic masculinity, mm. domestic violence, for example, not necessarily about what they're doing. They're actually starting to dabble in politics itself, uh, in the public sphere rather than just in their private sphere. Yeah. What's a like interesting example of where a company's um, taken on a cause that is totally unrelated to them. There was a, an issue uh, seven years ago of uh, Pepsi, um, who make high-calorie, sugary, bubbly drinks. Yes. And they had a, an advertising campaign um, which where, where Pepsi cans were featured in uh, a Black Lives Matter uh, protest. With the, with uh, or something Jones. of that nature and involved and Pepsi was what kind of saved the day and, and brought harmony back to the events. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure how drinking, you know, uh, unhealthy beverages has anything to do with, uh, with ending the scourge of racism and racial violence, um, but nevertheless made good advertising. Well, in a sense, it made good advertising, but they were also widely criticised for they're uh, highly, you know, uh, instrumental and kind of exploitative, uh, exploitative fashion. I mean, I remember here in Australia when we had the, you may remember we had bad bushfires uh, yeah. just less than uh, two years ago. And the company Tiffany, who made, you know, the jewelry, jewelry yeah. um, put a big advert in the newspaper about how the prime minister needs to start dealing with climate change um, uh, but otherwise we'll continue to have bushfires. Again, a company you, that finds stones out of the ground, I don't know how, why they would have a, an informed opinion beyond anybody else about yeah. this kind of thing. There's an absurdity to it, isn't there, as well as it being quite dangerous and uncomfortable, but we will go on to that. Yes. So some people would say... What's the problem with companies trying to do good? Surely they're making a positive difference just by highlighting the issues, even if they are profiting from it too. So you argue that there's a deeper damage being done and describe woke capitalism as a subterfuge for the corporate takeover of democracy. So mm. why, why is it dangerous when we dismiss it? I mean, this is a different thing. I mean, for people who, who are on the progressive side of politics, like myself, Mm -hmm. And you see corporations adopting positions, which at least in broad terms, you would agree with. But at the same time, feel a kind of discomfort uh, that, that it's, you know, Qantas, who was the big backer of marriage equality uh, here in Australia, for example, but meanwhile engaged in a whole lot of other uh, employment practices that, that were very questionable. There's almost, there's a, there's a kind of a tension that, you know, I agree that racism is a terrible thing and, and that it needs to be addressed. But does that mean that I have to be on the side of Pepsi, for example? Now, so the question is, is are these authentic political statements on behalf of these corporations? Or are they, in a sense, 
somehow riding a wave of genuine progressive political activism for some other kind of purpose. When when big corporations get involved in political causes, it's usually when there's a, fair, there's a fairly good idea which side is on the winning side of history. You know, so they're not, they're yeah. not activists. There are real political activists who take real risks and take real action to make change. Uh, they, that's not the corporation. So the question is, is it just the kind of marketing and advertising, what some people would call woke washing? The problem, of course, is that corporations are very powerful, increasingly powerful these days, but also they represent private interests. So you mentioned before Jeff Bezos pledging money, climate change, $6.4 billion. Now, that's fine, but do we want Jeff Bezos, whose whole business runs on logistic and transport, which is a business that that uses a lot of fossil fuels driving and flying around the place. Is that the private interest that should be controlling the very public problem of uh, of climate change and the and the you know disaster of, of uh, environmental disaster its cause? So the problem is when you have private interests controlling uh, public issues, that's a problem. Now another part of the problem is. What kind of political issues will corporations pursue? Mm. Now, or more importantly, which ones won't they pursue? Now, let's look at some things that woke corporations don't get involved in. Corporate Mm. taxation and tax avoidance on a massive global scale. No woke corporation supporting that. Increasing the minimum wage to to give people uh, a living wage. Supporting the universal basic income. Progressive taxation, so income is redistributed from the wealthy to the less wealthy, you know, income equality more generally. What about extortionate levels of CEO pay, which have been, you know, massively uh, increasing relative to ordinary workers for 40 plus years? These core economic issues are not addressed, you know, the kind that, so it's not just whether we agree. But what kind of things are put off the agenda by, by this um, by this process too? I mean, and so this is why you know to use the quote from the book that, that you said that there is a kind of subterfuge for the takeover of uh, democracy because it's organisations moving from the private sphere of business into the public sphere of uh, politics. I mean, a great example of this is a guy called uh, Larry Fink. Now, Larry Fink is a billionaire. Um, he's also the CEO of a company, investment company called BlackRock. Now, he suggests, and he states this uh, very publicly, that the corporate world is responsible for addressing press, pressing social and economic issues. And he insists that the company, companies that his company invests in adopt this position. But he's explicit. He's saying democratic dis- states are in a state of dysfunctions, in dysfunction, sorry, and corporations need to take over where they've left off. So he's really saying corporations need to kind of muscle in. And in the investment banking world, I think they call this a hostile takeover. So it's almost like corporations engaging in, in a hostile takeover of democracy. The problem is, in doing this, we get a kind of a new political position. It's almost like a neo-feudalism where regular people then just become at the mercy of billionaires, just as serfs were once at the at the mercy of uh, of landowners. So I see this as, as deeply problematic, uh, deeply problematic phenomenon. 
um, that's challenging uh, democracy itself as a political system and as a way of life. And that goes that goes back to what I said in the introduction. It's they're setting the agenda now, aren't they? There are some issues that are now off the table because they're not being focused on. And they're setting the agenda in order to maintain a status quo that gives them an advantage all the time. Indeed, because, I mean, even if, you, you know, look at philanthropy, for, for example. There are many people now giving away uh, lots and lots of uh, money, billionaires giving away lots of lots of money in philanthropic donations. This is the giving pledge with uh, Warren Buffett, for example. Um, but... These people aren't becoming any less wealthy as a result of this. If anything, this kind of philanthropy justifies the status quo rather than seeking to change it in any fundamental fundamental way. So when people accuse woke uh, capitalists of kind of being socialists and communists in disguise, it's quite laughable in a sense. I don't see anyone so, uh, yeah. seizing the means of production for the working class in, in, as a woke capitalist. It just feels like a massive distraction technique, doesn't it, that we're all falling for, really. So someone yeah. like Jeff Bezos can say, hey, look at all this that I'm doing. Um, what a great guy. I'm sharing my wealth. But actually, it's a, for him, it's a trade-off. If, in order to do that, his brand becomes better, which is going to make him more profit and mean that he doesn't have to address the critical issues like carbon emissions and how you treat your staff and that kind of thing, I guess. Exactly, exactly. And, and not just, I mean, it's about wealth in one sense, but it's also about power. I mean, if you look at yeah. Bezos, the other thing is that ridiculous rocket that he's going to fly around the, you know, space in. Yeah. Not that we won't even go into the symbolism of that, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, in the 1960s, it was, you know, governments who were doing that thing and it was the space race between the uh, United States and the USSR governments aren't involved in this space race anymore so even those kind of questionable activities this is about dominance world dominance and and power as much as it is about wealth and and now that corporations doing the space race between you know Bezos and and, uh, and Richard Branson and and Elon Musk uh, you know, I mean, not to mention, you know, the kind of dysfunctional forms of masculine competition which are embedded in this kind of activity oh, as yes. well. Yeah, yeah. So that leads me on really well to my next question, actually, that um, move of the space race thing, and that becomes like a corporate thing rather than a governmental thing. So my next question, I think, is about how how are we letting this happen in a way? Um, and in the book, you say under woke capitalism, the state can the state can no longer be relied on to address social justice and poverty. So I wanted to talk about um, the role of governments in all this. Are they accountable for failing and creating gaps for businesses to fill, or has woke capitalism is it the other way? Has woke capitalism somehow undermined government to the extent that people have just lost faith in it? was kind of what happened first to allow this to yeah it's a little bit of a, yeah it's a little bit of a chicken and egg question in a sense because i think the two have really kind of gone hand in hand i mean i think if you if you trace the history as i do in the book uh at one point at least back to the 1980s um and the kind of you know uptake of of neoliberalism through thatcher's prime ministership in the uk and and reagan's presidency in the, in the us and the, this idea that the the 
where neoliberalism became uh, the dominant order in liberal, liberal democracies around the world. And one of the premises of, 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 of that was always based on small government. So we saw privatizations and deregulation and, you know, the corporation becoming the dominant institutional form in society. So, but woke capitalism is an extension of what's been happening uh, since then. Whereas with neoliberalism, the government is seen as an enabler of market capitalism. So the government relies on markets and competition and, and innovation um, in order for, for economic development, growth and efficiency and all the stuff that we were promised. But woke capitalism extends that with market capitalism now actually going back and in taking over many of the functions of government mm. that actually mm -hmm. uh, that actually that actually created. But it, as I said before, it's doing it in for the benefit of private interests, not for the benefit of public interests. And so we have to say, can we rely on the generosity of the rich and powerful? You know, can we say that, that you know, the leopard has really changed its spots and, you know, greed is good capitalism of the 80s has completely changed and now corporations have, you know, grown consciences out of, out of somewhere to behave completely, uh, completely different. Or coming back again to billionaire philanthropy, do we have to rely on the crumbs that fall from the master's table um, as a substitute for democratically initiated distributional justice? My, my answer to that question is, uh, is no. So in a sense, neoliberal governments have overseen uh, this process and they've also overseen the massive widening of inequality that we've seen through this. Yes. And not having done anything really to, to intervene in a, a meaning, in a meaningful um, way. And what's resulted is, on the one hand, these opportunities for woke capitalists to try and save capitalism in itself for the benefit of, of itself. But it's also the same conditions that have created the possibility for growth in right wing populism, the same conditions of inequality that that uh, paved the way for, for someone like Donald Trump. Um, let's not give him too much credit. He's a symptom of the problem, not the cause of it. Yeah. But it certainly mm -hmm. paved the way for that. So we found ourselves in a kind of between a rock and a hard place as, as a result of that. And in one sense, yes, governments uh, are responsible. But the whole ideology that's informed uh, dem liberal democratic government um, uh, is also very much at the heart of the problem. So it's about, on the one hand, government changing, but also changing way of thinking um, and, and trying to create a new political imagination and a new political will to try and change this for the benefit of all members of society, not, not just a few. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question about that in a minute, um, but I also wanted to ask you before then, there are a lot of organizations who do have a genuine engagement um, with social issues, societal issues. How can they adapt in this age of corporate morality when everyone's claiming ideas like social justice for themselves? And I also mm -hmm. feel like how I feel like it's important to ask how organizations avoid the trap of wokeness and how do they show their authenticity and make sure that they're not maintaining the status quo in way in ways they haven't thought about 
Yeah, I mean, obviously there are corporations who behave that way, and and you know the book paints a particular picture of certain dimensions of corporations who adapt, adopt these woke um, stances. It's certainly not trying to generalize about everyone. It's certainly not trying to say everyone who works for corporations is, you know, somehow evil or bad or or trying to do terrible things. So there are many. Companies that may have a well have a true sense of uh, of purpose, um, and many companies, especially now, are increasingly grappling with this as they talk about public purpose, as um, ESG in, uh, issues get get you know are kind of rising to a boardroom mm-hmm. level. So many com- companies are genuinely grappling with it. So. We, you know, we need to be careful not to to uh, generalize about individual. There's a danger companies. that everyone gets tarred with the same brush, isn't there? Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. probably talking a bit about smaller companies than the examples we've used so far. Yeah, exactly. But there's also historic uh, examples as well. You know, in the UK, the Cadbury Corporation was well known for a very progressive set of policies. Um, uh, earlier in, in, the, in the 20th century. And many companies have done great things to promote gender equality. Climate change sometimes is more driven by private companies than uh, than governments, health and safety, healthcare, retirement benefits. You know, there's a, there's a whole lot of things. But the profit motive is still always there if we're talking about for-profit uh, companies. And that's not to say the profit motive is, is a bad thing itself or that markets are necessarily bad but it's very difficult to satisfy shareholders investors and financiers without a focus on the bottom line as being relatively primary and if your own personal income as an executive is tied to that as well through various bonus schemes that also produces a whole lot of uh, different different behaviors um uh, and it's a when you do have companies who who are pursuing excessive profit, like you know the companies in the 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 uh, Oxfam called the pandemic profiteers, for example, mm. in, during the pandemic, while at the same time trying to justify that behavior with woke credentials. That's really that's the the more problem. And so companies may try to do good things, but part of the thing too is the idea that the profit motive needs to be socially and politically regu- regulated rather than self-regulated by those whose interest it is uh, to make profit. That's interesting. Um, but that's that's not what we see. A lot of what we see is about unleashing self-interest and, and, and reducing uh, regulation. So if companies want to make a genuine contribution, all well and good, they don't need to make a huge song and dance about it. And maybe the first place to start isn't with your advertising budget, but doing something uh, a bit more fundamental uh, to that. But at the same time, uh, if it's big business we're talking about, if we've got chief executives who her- can be earning many hundreds of times more than average workers, um, uh, should they be really deciding what's good for regular people? Um, can we trust social welfare to the whims of financial markets? Um, uh, can we hope, you know, that, that things are going to get better in that way? So I think, yeah, if companies that want to do positive things, that's that's well and good. But that does not uh, diminish the responsibility, the political responsibility of government and of democratic institutions as well. That's where we get into trouble. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Um, I have one more question, and it's a big question. 
um, your, you end the book, it's almost the last line in the book, I think, and you say, it's time to intervene and put the world on a path to equality and justice for all. So I think we started talking about this a little bit earlier. Where on earth do we begin? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is, uh, you know, for, the book does not offer all the answers by any means. It doesn't really offer many answers. And, and I don't think one person should. If you get an individual thinking that they have all the answers, then you're, you're getting into a, into a very kind of controlling mentality. And the book is very much in, in uh, support of democracy. So it shouldn't be a single vision that, that uh, dictates what's happened, but more mm. an awareness. And so that is the beginning, uh, I think, of the change, is, is developing an awareness amongst people about what's going on, but also debating, debating the different perspectives. Not everyone else agrees with me. Um, and as someone who supports democracy as a way of life, that's the way I like it. I don't want the whole you know, uh, world to be pursuing uh, a single idea or a single point of view. So we need to be able to debate these things. We need to be able to discuss these. And that's what my book is, is trying to contribute to. It doesn't have any glib solutions, um, but I am trying to paint a picture of what the problem it is, problem is, and also to investigate how that's developed historically and how it how it's present today. But if there is an answer, the answer doesn't lie in you know utopian images of a future society. It lies in the practice of politics it, itself. And in a sense, we can return to a vision of shared pr prosperity and shared responsibility rather than one. Uh, based on the pursuit of individual self-interest at the expense of at the expense of others, we can hope for a return vision for caring about community and not just about oneself. And and the idea of of of, of uh, shared prosperity and and mutual benefit. Now, if anything, my generation has witnessed this problem, and I dare say we've contributed uh, to that problem too. And in a sense, we need a new form of leadership going forward that can actually galvanize people about around some kind of renewed democratic vision. Um, as yet, however, um, uh, no such leaders have emerged um, uh, in, in, any, in any influential way in that sense. So that's the, it's a political change that is required. But political change also emerges from changes in um, public expectations and public opinion. And hopefully I've made some small contribution to allowing that to happen. I'm absolutely sure you have. And it, fit, it feels like this awareness and this critical eye is just really essential. And perhaps for organisations to question themselves and however big or small the organisation question themselves and their motivation and what they are actually trying to achieve. Mm. And even more broadly, you know, corporations is the dominant kind of organizational form. It didn't always like that. We had co-ops and mutuals, and we still have not-for-profit organizations, which used to take up a much broader uh, activity. So when it comes to, uh, comes to economic activity and social activity, the idea of the uh, private corporation pursue, uh, that isn't the only model. We need to, you know, that again has the opportunity to be uh, to be broadened. You know, there was a promise that, that you know, uh, markets uh, would solve all of our problems and that the government's role is to create the conditions for those markets. 
But it's been a false promise. It, it hasn't worked. Instead, we've got, you know, inequality, widening uh, populism. We've got climate uh, disasters. You know, we've got, in some cases, people being uh, killed on the streets as a result of uh, racism. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like progress to me. No. I wonder if there, there are spaces where progress is being made, though. I was reading something last night about B corporations and the B Corp movement. Yeah. That's to do with this, isn't it? And Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was, I was referring to uh, implicitly when I was talking about different forms of organisation. So the yeah. B Corp is one development of an organisation... I mean, a corporation has a well, you know, a fiduciary duty, as they call it, to to make profit for for shareholders, and that's a legal arrangement. So why can't we create institutions that provide goods and services and that provide employment, which have a different set of legal obligations? Again, the only thing limiting us is a will to change, but that will to change has not been present for for quite some time, at least within the context of, of uh, liberal democratic states. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you, Carl. Uh, that's really interesting. And I really do think the book is brilliant. It's really great. And I think a lot of people listening here will have already had like, the cynicism about woke capitalism. But what your book does is really show that we need to fully grasp the extent of the damage it causes and how uh, insidiously and deeply it does actually shape society so thank you thank you for writing the book oh uh, so oh, absolutely my pleasure and, and great to talk to you jess yeah really good to talk to you um so woke capitalism how corporate morality is sabotaging democracy by carl rhodes is out now more information is available at bristoluniversitypress.co.uk